0: All right, yes, super fun, boy, kids, we love them, Uh, old and young. So again, happy Mother's Day, We, we cannot truly, we cannot say it enough. How much you are loved, how much you are appreciated, Aubrielle put it perfect. Thank you for birthing us. Um, so that is, I mean, if nothing else, we're thankful for that. Uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the little things you do. Thank you for all the things you do behind the scenes that no one knows about, not even your family. Uh, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not walking out the door. Uh, thank you for not stop feeding us. Uh, the list goes on. We are so 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 thankful. Thankful for each and every one of you. We cannot say it enough. So, uh, again, happy, happy Mother's Day. So, Mother's Day is an interesting day in the life of the church. It can be uh, controversial. It can be controversial for a number of reasons. Number one, we're very aware every single year that there are those of you who are in the room who uh, have always wanted to be a mom and you haven't been able to be a mom for whatever reason. We're also aware that there are people in the room that have lost children way too soon, and those children aren't with you anymore, and no parent should have to bury their child. We understand in this room, and for those who are online, statistically speaking, there are some of you that did not have great parents. You did not have a good mom did not have a good experience. In fact, this day is a little scarring for you. So we're aware of that. We're keenly, keenly aware of that for you. But it's also controversial at times because it's not part of the liturgical holiday, which means it's not part of the church calendar. It's not something that the church must do or should do or has done for ages. In fact, it's something fairly modern that we've done within the church. But I'll suggest to you that it is critical that we not only honor moms, but also the theology that surrounds Mother's Day. And uh, Alex alluded to that as we jumped into worship. Especially this year, when we think of moms as superheroes, right? I mean, think of your mom or or the mom in your family, the mom figure of, of what that mom has been through COVID. They are truly superheroes. They've had to wear more hats than they normally have to wear, uh, and mainly just to keep their family alive. That used to be tongue-in-cheek humorous, but it's true no more than this year. You moms have helped keep your families alive. You've been overworked. You've been super lonely at times, especially with uh, the being able to be isolated during the pandemic. So loneliness has sunk in in ways that you haven't experienced before. So many of you have felt defeat. So many of you have felt like all you're doing is try to stay alive and keep your family alive and keep things moving each and every day. And you should be rewarded for that. And so we could go on and on and on and on, but I think you get the point that if there's ever a Sunday, if there's ever a time in the year, if there's ever a worship service that is more deserving of honoring moms, of honoring you and each and every one of you, then today is it. The pandemic uh, has almost acted as a pressure cooker it's revealed some things that are there and it's created some areas that maybe weren't there before. It has exposed cracks and crevices in marital relationships. It's revealed to parents just how busy your life used to be. I've heard so many people say, man, I'm so busy lately. And the reality is you're not anymore busy. You just forgot. You forgot how busy you used to be. And now as life slowly starts to become normal, you realize, I don't like that. And a lot of you, in a very healthy way, are taking a very long look in the mirror and go, we're not going back, and I applaud you. Please don't go back to the hurry. Don't, j- don't just start putting your kids in sports, and clubs, and theater, and choirs. Be careful with that, it's my advice. Some parents have discovered, like we have, that screens and devices in their children's hands are extremely addictive. Anyone else? We're the only ones. That's awesome. Um, and then when you take them away, it, it can cause uh, a, a painful removal of that withdrawal, if you would, and not just for the kid, for all of us. We've, that's been revealed. So you, all that to be said, for you moms in this room, and even for you grandmas, because even you grandmas or great grandmas, you've had to watch this. You've had to watch your grandchildren and children not be able to have the life that they've wanted. You've had to watch seniors go through their senior year, or you've had to watch freshmen go through their freshman year, or eighth graders go through their eighth grade year. And, and being a kid can be tough enough but you've had to watch as mom. And one of the most difficult things to be, if I might be so bold to say as a mom, is when you can't do anything about it. You have to watch. And, and you can support and you can encourage, but you cannot stop the pain. So on behalf on all of us from, from the East Coast to the Midwest to the Rockies to the Redwoods, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being you. Thank you for hanging in there. You are appreciated more than words can express. I think the scriptures unpack quite a bit for us because we we might already know this, but just a reminder that God loves women. Why? Because God created woman. It's his creation. You are a woman, you are a female, whether you're four years old in this room, we have a lot of kids in here, or whether you are uh, older. In fact, let's say this. Are you, if, I'm gonna try and find out who the youngest mom in this room is. So if you think you're the youngest mom, stand up. Someone's gotta be the youngest, that's the reality. How about if you're 25 and you're a mom, or, or, or older, stand up. 25 or older. Younger. Anybody 25? 30 and younger. That's some old moms. I'm saying that while backing up. 35 and younger. Maybe I should just stop. Moving right along... God loves the wife. God loves mom. He loves single woman. He loves uh, widowed woman. He loves women because he created her and saw that it was good. And in an age where we have diminished sexual roles between man and woman, I want to say from the rooftops, God loves woman. He created woman woman. And he loves his creation. He did not make a mistake. He loves his creation. There's incredible women discovered all throughout the scriptures. We look at Mary, Mary Magdalene, Ruth, Rachel, Hannah, Eve, Deborah, Esther, Miriam, Sarah, Elizabeth, Priscilla, and Mary of Bethany, Martha, and Jehoshaphat, just to name a few. And there are more. We see incredible women all throughout the scriptures. And I'll also say this. In a time where the church, either on purpose or just by mistake, diminishes the power and the authority and the specialness and then the beauty of woman, the church has been wrong. And we should shout from the rooftops that women are all throughout the scriptures used by God in supernatural, miraculous, powerful, Holy Spirit-driven ways. You are special. You are powerful. Do not, if you're a young lady in this room, do not ever let someone else look down on you because you are a woman ever 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 that is not God's heart it is not the church's heart and it ought not be our culture's heart but the reality is it it happens there are people in this room that if we were to have an open mic on how you have been affected by the criticisms and the pointings of this world just because of your gender we could go on for hours God loves you. And these women that we just mentioned played a vital role in God's story. But did you know that the Bible also says that women play an enormous role in the transmission of God's redemptive story? Incredible vital role. Not only is motherhood vital in the Old Testament, Paul calls out the mother of Timothy. Listen to this. He calls out the mother of Timothy and his grandma. It's pretty cool when you start to really dig into Scripture. You start to find out the relational elements. He honors them by being the ones who gave Timothy a vision of what to believe, not the dad, not the grandpa, not the uncle, not the guy next door, not the blacksmith across the field, the mom and the grandma. Here's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first with your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Where did his faith come from? His mom and his grandma. In fact, uh, the majority, and I can clearly say this, the majority of sound theologians, biblical scholars, pastors and speakers will almost always refer back to a woman that modeled the heart and the life of God in their life. Now, we could do a whole sermon on where are the men, but this is not the opportunity or the day to bash or encourage or challenge you. All to be said, men, you better step up. Because all throughout the scriptures and all throughout even culture today, we just see women pouring in and discipling. And the men are sheepish and quiet. If Paul called out moms and grandmothers for praiseworthy conduct, we should too. So way to go, moms. Let's clap for moms. Yeah, Paul does it. It's okay for us to do it. There's this touching moment found in Romans chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, you can open to that pretty quickly. It'll be in Romans chapter 16, I believe verse 13. Verse 13. It's very, very touching, but if you don't connect the dots with various scriptures, you'll miss it, but you'll never miss it again. This is something that you'll highlight in your Bible and you'll refer to yet again. The Apostle Paul is sending his personal greeting to his friends in Rome. That's what he's doing. He says this, greet Rufus, which, again, the Darnells already named theirs. Uh, I I think the... uh, The McClure's are pretty set on miles, but you could consider Rufus uh, for a name. Uh, He says, greet Rufus whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother who has been a mother to me. And also his dear mother who has been a mother to me. Isn't that awesome? Studying the scriptures is such great fun. Not only does it give you life, not only does it do what it says it's going to train and rebu- rebuke and encourage, all these things that the scriptures do, but it reveals incredible things. And I'm going to show you turn to the Gospel of Mark. Keep your thumb in Romans chapter 16, and then shift, if you would, to Mark chapter 15. Get this. Do you know who Rufus is? You do. Most all of you know exactly who Rufus is. You don't even know it. Let's go to Mark chapter 15, verse 21. at the New Living Translation, it says this. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Rufus was the son of Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross of Jesus Christ on that last leg, that horrible last leg of Good Friday. And this means that Simon of Cyrene probably went home, experienced being a changed man. Something about picking up the cross, carrying it, Seeing our Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face in all of his gore, did something to this man. And he goes home. And he shares the power of that moment with his wife, who then likely shared it with her sons, Alexander and Rufus, and they too were changed. That's amazing in and of itself, but it even gets better. It's awesome to picture this mother who probably heard from her husband about his close encounter with Jesus. Maybe not everything, because we don't have it recorded, but certainly something. You know, you come home at the end of the day, hey, how was your day, honey? Oh, pretty good. I picked up eggs and I carried a cross for a guy that they were crucifying. Oh, tell me about that. And it was explained. And then it was explained, undoubtedly, to these two boys that heard it as well. And then, in a remarkable, loving intersection of faith and relationship and circumstances, she might have shared what she heard with Paul. Interesting enough, how they met How Paul met this woman, where he met this woman, how their relationship grew, the circumstances in this crazy coincidence, we never will know. It's not recorded, we have no idea. But imagine this. This woman was a mother figure to the great apostle Paul. Her husband carried the cross of Jesus Christ. Saul rounded up those Christians for game to kill. And then he had an experience, he had a conversion, he had an aha moment. And to be sure, this woman and Paul had some kind of conversation. But picture this, Paul, the great spreader of the first century church, may have learned details about the final moments of his now Lord from the wife of the man who carried the cross, Simon of Cyrene. And she was like a mother to him. If you ever want to say how important our mother figures, here you go. This is it. This is one of the primary places of it. Her care and love, listen, of Saul of Tarsus, not the great apostle Paul. He wasn't the great apostle Paul yet. He was a convert. This terrorist Turned missionary. Saul of Tarsus was our version in modern day, as close as we can get to, as Hitler or Osama bin Laden. But worse. That's who Saul was. And this woman looks at this man. She's not his mom. But because she has what Alex alluded to, the DNA of God in her, She mothers in kindness and love and encouragement to who she's around. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Think about it. This is not her son, but without knowing who he would become, she was a mother figure to the most significant convert in the history of the church. If you've ever wondered, well, I don't have kids, I don't really have a place. If you've ever wondered, well, my kids are old and grown, I, I don't have a place. If, if you've thought, well, uh, my kids are deceased, they died way too young, I don't have a place anymore. I, I wanna shout to you whether you have kids or don't have kids, whether you are uh, an older woman, and we found out a lot of you are, are not young pups, <laughs> You have a role. Listen, you have a role in the kingdom of God. You have a significant, powerful place in what God is doing in this world. You are special, and you're special because God made you. We need you. We need you, women. We need you moms, we need you grandmothers, we need you. And so what does this beautiful connection of relationship mean to us and to a greater understanding of God? How now do we connect those dots? Because I think you understand the importance of what you could be in this world, but how do we connect it more? What this means is every mom and parent and grandparent is a missionary. Every single one of you, Of the female gender, you are a missionary and you're a powerful missionary for God's kingdom. In addition, every woman for that matter is a missionary that can strengthen the kingdom of God without even knowing it. Paul, again, was this great apostle Paul, but he wasn't that yet. In fact, Paul doesn't even know that he was the great apostle Paul, he died first. He is still that guy who used to be Saul, that used to do bad things, and now he says he's better. So picture it this way. You come into a room full of individuals, many of whom you are responsible for killing their family members. Or at worst, neighbors, coworkers. Co-workers associates. That's who you are. And some people are willing to give you the shadow of the doubt. Some people are willing to welcome you in. Some, and we know this because of human nature, some are going to harbor ill feelings. But there's one who interacts with you, and she becomes a mother figure to the great apostle Paul. She looked past what he was and she looked forward to who he was becoming. We're about to do baptism here in a little bit, and we highlight that the old is gone, the new has come. Some of you in this room need to be reminded your old is gone. It might spring up every now and then. It's like when you spray for weeds or you pull them and you think your yard looks perfect, and you come out one morning and boom, there's that rascal. So, you got to go pull that weed again. Well, that that doesn't mean you're just going to go back. It just means you got to keep tilling the soil. And some of you need to be reminded you are not who you used to be, you are a new creation. You are beautiful and wonderful in God's eyes. The call to go to make disciples does not stop at DNA, it's not just for moms to go disciple their kids each and every one of us are called to go and love and care for and be patient and kind and considerate and helpful to every single person who we come into contact with because we never know who they're becoming. And to be sure for moms, this does begin at home. Moms are not on the sidelines of the mission field, they are on the front lines. Hear when I say that. You moms, and, and sometimes, again, the, the, the culture or the church can shame of your home a lot, you're home a lot, you're home a lot. Let me just say, you are not on the sidelines of the mission field. You are on the front lines. And to be real frank, our culture needs you. Please don't give up. We need you. It doesn't matter if you're Pauling going into 95 or whatever age you might be, we need you. We need you women, we need your love, we need your passion, we need your compassion, we need your empathy, we need you. Obviously several of these individuals are super glad that you feed them. That was evident on the video. So great job feeding, which is no small task you are on the front lines handing down the faith like Paul's foster mom. That's my, my tag, not scripture. But she was like a foster mom to Paul because we don't hear anything about his mom. But she took a role. And anyone, this, this is important, this, this is not in the Bible, but this, this is according to me. Anyone who knows a teenager, you know the mission field because your teenagers speak a different language they have different customs. They have different behaviors. And you're a stranger in a foreign world when you're raising teens. Amen? Amen. Yeah, see, the Spirit's moving. <laughs> and so, moms, we thank you for doing just that. And for the rest of us, it may not be our day, but it is our mission moving forward. We're about to highlight in part, exactly that. I'm going to invite uh, Grace and Tanner and Amy to uh, join me up here on stage. Uh, and I'm going to need towels, Sandy. Um, so what is baptism? You know, we talk about this idea of new and old. And, and again, I think of just the, the transformation between Saul to Paul and, and what that must have been like for so many. Um, and what we do here really does matter. And family members, uh, go everywhere. Get, get pictures, uh, get cool angles. We can probably rig you up with some kind of carabiner on, on the roof. Um, but get as many pictures as you can. You're not going to interrupt us. So these three incredible individuals are deciding that they're going to be baptized today. And this is incredible because what we've told them is, and trust us, there's nothing unique or special about this water. It came out of our hose from the side of the building, and then it came from two rounds of emptying our hot water heater from up in the attic with a hose stretched. And there's lots of floaties in here. There's nothing, and it's a horse trough. So you're getting the point. There's nothing holy here. There's nothing special The water is nothing special. We say the same thing when we baptize in the McGovern's pool over the summer. They would tell you there's nothing special. There's uh, chemicals in there, and they drain it, and they clean it, but it's just water. What makes it uniquely special is what God does. And it's the same thing with your life. There's nothing holy about your life outside of God joining you in your life. And it's the same thing with baptism. Baptism. We certainly signify that the old is gone, the new has come, that there's new life. But what baptism is, is an outward proclamation of an inward transformation. We proclaim outwardly to the masses, to you, friends and family, to the church, for those of you who are watching online, we proclaim what what God has done inside, we do it outwardly. And it's pretty special because not only do we have beautiful Grace hall but we have uh, Tanner and Amy who are going to be married this week. Yeah, kind of a big deal. I'm just saying, kind of a big deal. So they're getting baptized, and they're going to help baptize one another to make it really, really special. So that's what we do. We proclaim Jesus, and we proclaim to you. Now, here's your role. You may not know this, but the church has a significant role in lives. In 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 several weeks, we're going to do several different uh, baby dedications. And the parents are going to proclaim, we're going to raise this child under the eyes of God, under the doctrine, the teachings of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. They're going to make that promise. You, the church, will stand. You will make the promise That for all the days that you are possible, you will stand, you will serve, you will love, you will encourage to do everything it takes to help raise that child in the ways of the Lord. It's also interesting that we're getting ready to marry uh, Tanner and Amy because they will have a crowd in this room. And that crowd represents what? A witness to their vows. They will stand and go, we were there when you stood on this stage, when you gave your vows. We were there when you declared your allegiance to one another in love. We were there, which means when things get rocky, when things get hard, you have a whole church body that can come alongside you as a new married couple and go, we were there and we're here now. It's the same way with baptism. You get to witness what they're doing, which means when things get rough, when things get rocky, and we know they do when we follow Jesus, you can stand and go, we were there when you were baptized. We were there when you declared your allegiance to Jesus Christ. We were there. You can do it. I'll walk with you. I'll sit with you. So you play an important role in the strengthening of the church. So We're going to have them share a little bit of of their journey. We're going to start with Grace. Come on forward here a little bit. I don't bite mostly, and uh, so Grace, high five! Awesome job. Can we give Grace a round of applause? Thank you. Yes. Do the wave. Yeah. Nice. Grace, can you tell us um, where? where did this journey take you Um, why are you choosing to get baptized and why get baptized today just fill us in a little bit
1: well i'm getting baptized today because i'm getting baptized (laughs) um i've been going to church and learning about jesus almost all of my life and I'd want to be with him always. So that's the reason why I'm getting baptized today.
0: That's awesome. Well done, good job. All right, Tanner, come on up. Let's give it up for Tanner. We, uh, we both grew our hair out for today, which is awesome. So Tanner, take us into your world. Why are you getting baptized? Uh, What is
1: your faith in Jesus and why today? So one of the things you've been saying, Brian, is that there are witnesses to this. There's witnesses to marriage. There's witnesses to baptism. And I know there are a few people who are probably confused because I'm up here doing this. You were there when I was eight years old and did this at one point. And the other thing, Brian, you've mentioned is that The whole mentality of baptism is really a new creation thing. And that's, that's my thing is that when I did this as a child who didn't necessarily know what was going on, I didn't change. I grew up in the church. I grew up in this church and as meaningful as it was, I didn't become anything different. I was the same eight-year-old that I was when I went in the pool and same when I came out. And I had absolutely no idea where life would take me. I had no clue that, you know, six short years after that, I would pretty much walk away from God entirely. Um, I would deny the validity of faith. I would say that, you know, if you want to go to church and be a good person, fine, but it doesn't actually mean anything. And now I'm here. I am surrounded by wonderful human beings who have shown me that jesus is real jesus is god jesus is loving jesus is everything i have a wonderful fiance who has encouraged me incredibly to really take this seriously and to mean it from right now this day forward i am something different and that's why we're here for me is that i want i want that i want to be different and i want to proclaim that and 100% mean it this time.
0: And beautiful Amy Anderson. Let's give a round of applause. Soon-to-be Amy Kaler. (laughs)
1: Also baptized as a very young child but I'm told the reason is because my older sister was being baptized and I wanted to do everything she did hence baptism so it definitely had no meaning at the time other than I thought the pool was pretty awesome (laughs) so I didn't become a Christian until I was 23 and at that time I approached the pastor of my church and uh, he said well since you were baptized as a child you can't do it again it's sort of a one-time deal thing and I said, okay, well, it didn't mean anything last time. It wasn't really a choice per se. And he's like, yeah, same sentiment. I said, okay. So it's only been recently after a lot of prayer and discussion and lots of research that I realized that's not what baptism is about. So understanding now really what it means and what that is between me and God and me and all of you, can't wait any longer. It's time. Amen. Amen. All right.
0: All right. Uh, Let's see, we're going to throw some towels down here so that we don't ruin the stage. Not that you guys ruin it, just the water. Who would think that they have church baptism towels, but we do? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tweety Bird. All right, Grace, you ready for this, girl? Let's do this. Let's give her a round of applause. She said, Do I just get in the water? So, just like at pools, don't dive. It's shallow. Um, But yeah, let's go ahead and have you step in. There we go. We're going that way? Oh, okay. So, not this way. Okay. All right. So, Sorry that it's cold. All right, let's have you go a little bit more this way. We dumped as much hot in it as we can, okay? So go ahead and cross your arms. I know it is. (laughs) All right, Grace, based on what you've told me, based on what you've shared with the church and shared with your family, is it your desire today in front of friends and family, the church, and under the eyes of God to declare your allegiance once and for all to be baptized? Awesome. Okay, so with that said, I have the privilege and the honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Woo! So cold. <laughs> All
0: right. Do you have your towel over there? A towel farther back? Yeah, just grab Tweety. Here's Tweety Bird. All right. Picture time. All right, good job. Yeah. All right, you can go out there. All right, big Tanner. Hopefully that water doesn't. There's a lot of water in here. <laughs> all right. <Woo>. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll make this long. Um,
1: don't move fast.
0: This is really special for me. Just so you all know, if you don't know, Tanner and I have about a 15-year history, and uh, you know we didn't know each other terribly well back then, but it's been a huge pleasure to get to know you more. So I'm really honored to be able to do this with you. So Tanner, is it your desire today to make this? public proclamation to this church to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. Absolutely, amen. Amen, awesome. All right, so yeah, cross your arms, Plug your nose if you need. Uh, Tanner, it's my pleasure and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Picture time. (laughs) All right, here we go. All right, you ready for this, Amy? All right, it's cold. All right. So this is also special for me. I've known Amy since she was 16. And so I've been able to see her become a beautiful, godly woman. So... Um, based on what you've shared with me, um, based on what you've shared with the church, your friends and your family, is it your desire today to declare your allegiance once and for all to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Amen, I love that smile. And your future husband is gonna help me with this. So, Amy, because of your dedication, because of what God has done in your life, because of his saving grace, it is my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes! <laughs> All right, we have a towel? Eric, you can do Batman. All right, come, where's Grace? Is she, come on up, Grace, quick. All right, quick pictures. Alright, Grace, coming up. Alright, let's go a little bit forward. Get Alex in here. This is super cool. Get in here, Alex. Alright, let's get some pictures here. All right, let's give them a round of applause. All right, you guys can make your way. So here's what's interesting as the band gets ready to lead us as we close in worship. Here's what's great about this. What happened here was miraculous. What, what, what happened here is holy. What happened here is special because God is special. We sing these songs, and by the way, do you guys did you hear the first song that we sang? that like rock song that kinda s- sounds like Jesse's Girl, the 80's song, Jesse's Girl. <laughs> Alex wrote that song. So, Alex wrote the words, he wrote the music, he put it all together, that, that's his baby uh, of, a, of a hymn, of a, of a worship of God and it causes you something in you that just, you cannot sit still. And I want to give you such encouragement if, it, if, if you take it as a challenge and take it as a challenge, but I want to give you such encouragement right now. If you have ever been saved from something, you know, a can of paint that could have fallen on your head and someone pulls you aside, someone like Sandy saying, look out, that car's coming, <laughs> she saves us if you've ever experienced being saved, you realize what could have happened. There are people, uh, if we bring in 9-11, that were supposed to be at work at the Twin Towers. They weren't. And every day they remember that. Let's bring it closer to home. There are people who were supposed to be at King Supers in Boulder, and they weren't that day. And today they live. There are individuals who huddled up in the offices as the officers came in and saved their lives. I've interacted with them. I've sat with them. I've talked with them. They cannot say thank you enough. Our worship is our thank you. Our worship is how we give back to God which means we don't just stand still like you're at the bank. It means there's something in you that cannot say thank you enough. And if you ever think you've gotten to the point where you've worshiped enough, you've said thank you enough, you've realized I'm a new creation enough, I wanna say you have only scratched the surface. You have only just begun. It can change your marriage. It can change your parenting. It can change your kids. It can change your workplace. It can change your finances. It can change your health. It can change you. Like that. And so whenever we have the opportunity to come and worship, it is an opportunity to take a step. It is an opportunity to experience more of that love of God, more of that saving truth and for you to be different because of it. So I encourage you, come before the throne of God. Come before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come before the God of all creation who creates every flower petal, every cloud formation, every river, every blade of grass, every baby that's born, every marriage that comes. He is the creator of the universe. And that creator loves you. He died for you. And he would do it again today. That's why we worship. So as we get ready to close in prayer, would you please stand and let's do just that. Don't worry about who's standing next to you. Don't worry about who might be watching you. Don't worry about how you sound. Don't worry about anything. Let it be with you and God, a part of a chorus of angels, singing and rejoicing and being glad that you are a new creation. And if you're someone here that you're far from God, but, but based on listening to the message and, and watching baptism and, and experiencing worship, if you're someone here who's far from God, you don't even have a relationship with him, but you're curious, you, you just want a little bit more, or maybe you're, you're adamantly against it, but you're willing to have a conversation, I would love to go to coffee with you. I'd love to have a meal with you. I'd love to talk and just share what God has done in my life. And answer any questions that you might have so I'll be around but I just want to make that available to you because everything we're talking about here is given for you as well let's pray together God we love you and and we give you great praise why because you deserve it you deserve what we can give and so much more we rejoice for the gift of baptism that publicly proclaims this inward transformation that together as a church, we can be strengthened because of it. We thank you for every single one of the moms and grandmas who are in this room. Thank you for every single one of those moms and grandmas who are watching online. Thank you for every single woman who is in this room that has the opportunity to be a missionary for you, to care for and to love and to channel all of the parental qualities that are found in you, our great God and King, and give those to the world around us. Praise you for making woman. Cannot say thank you. So as we tune our hearts to hear you and to give back in worship, would you be pleased? Would you smile? Would you rest upon us? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. And every single one of God's people said, amen.